This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Now and Not Yet. Pressing in when you're waiting, wanting, and restless for more. Written and narrated by best-selling author Ruth Cho Simons and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Hi, this is Sandra McCracken, and you're listening to The Steadfast Podcast. One of the folks who's taught me about patience is Bob Goff, and I'm so excited to share this conversation today as the last one in the second season of the Steadfast Podcast. Bob is a best-selling author, storyteller, speaker, coach, lawyer, and most importantly, one of the best encouragers I've ever met. His latest book, Dream Big, comes at just the right time to give us bright hope for a bright future. It draws upon our ability to be patient and steadfast in all circumstances. I'm grateful to have had this conversation with Bob, and I'm so glad you could join us. I'm so excited to have a few minutes to catch up. How are you, first of all? Like, Yeah, we're healthy. We've uh, bought a Young Life camp, of all things, in San Diego. They put it for sale, so I purchased that with Miles Adcox out at Onsite. He, uh, He and I went in on it, and we fixed it up, so instead of smelling like 300 junior high school boys now it's a it's got 50 suites and we have about 150 acres of horse farms and uh, you know horse racing track Uh, they flew in a horse yesterday our newest one we have 17 horses there and uh, while the camp is closed and we can't have people the uh the horses don't carry viruses so yeah. we've got them and they're uh, they're camped oh out. Gosh. So for a guy who doesn't know anything about horses, <laughs> I now have a, a 100 horse equestrian farm and racing training center. Oh, <laughs> my just, God. It just cracks me up. That is amazing. Well, my husband has done some, but like he's worked with horses, done some like ranch work up in Idaho and some polo. So if you ever need anybody, we just bring the family out. We'll come feed the horses for you while you guys are like, yes. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, okay. So that's called the, is that the Oaks? Is that what? Yeah, that's the okay. Oaks. So the Oaks I saw is that on you. and then, yeah, then the yeah. equestrian center is part of it and then we're bringing in uh really neat horses for this equine therapy and some of these horses are so well trained they could deal cards it's crazy wow there's a there's a place here in nashville right outside of town that does equine therapy and i mean it's really something i i went for a couple of sessions years ago and just was like so moved by the experience and just thinking about how that affects like kids and people that you know, when you're not in a place where you just want to talk through issues, you can just like spend time with the horse and with a counselor. And um, that, I, I feel like not a lot of people have heard about that. Um, but maybe in California, you know, but I'm excited you guys are doing that because I think it's really it was really helpful for me just in a few sessions of just like kind of opening your whole mind to all the ways that healing can happen when you're not just talking about things. <laughs> yes. Know? And I just want to create really safe places where people can just deal with their ish, just yeah. like get it out there to say, I don't yeah. care what it looks like. Let's just talk about the way it is. And yeah. then we can go somewhere. It's like when you have everybody's perception of who you are, yeah. then ends up swallowing up actually who you are, then you become a caricature of who you are. 
You're just like, I'm just the balloon guy. And I'm just this funny, happy guy when really I've got a lot of stuff. My life is as complex as everybody else's. So we're not the average of the five most insecure people we know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm glad we're starting there because I think that just really, that just like, it's really good to come out and say, you know, we have all these names and roles that we play in our lives and they are part of us. But, you know, I, I remember years ago reading that Dan Allender book about story, like uh, to be told, I think it was. And he talked about how when we meet Jesus, he's going to speak our name to us that we've never heard, but it's our name. And it's so essentially who we are. And I guess we're all trying to like figure out what our name really is now, even in the meantime, you know, and one day we're going to hear it. I totally agree with that. I think the, uh, so everybody has different worldviews and belief systems. Um, but if you identified with this idea that, uh, that there is a God, and if you Mm -hmm. have traveled that far, then you'd say, and if you believe the kind of a doctrinal thing that, uh, God would know everything that has happened, everything that is happening and everything that's going to happen. Um, then that can sometimes give some comfort. Sometimes it just creates confusion. But what if you went the next step and said, what about the angels? Because as far as I figured out, they only know whatever God told them. So like if God said, like, tell Mary she's going to have a baby (laughs) and expect her to have that wide eyed. I just got off a big horse look. Um, (laughs) So that whole like, I can't believe that just happened. (laughs) And then tell Joseph something really crazy is going to happen in your life. But I really like that idea that the angels uh, don't know what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Unless God told them, they don't Mm -hmm. know. And if you can imagine, Sandra, that there's a whole heavenly host of angels Mm -hmm. leaning over the rails of your life, just wondering what you're going to do next. (laughs) That whole idea of entertaining angels. Like, what if you just said, what I want to do is I'm going to spend the rest of my days entertaining the angels yeah. just to say like, Oh my gosh, he got a horse farm. Yeah. Yeah. Does he know that he doesn't know anything about horses? Yeah. Be like, I know, I think I, I think he does and he's doing it anyway. So I really like that idea. It comes from the uh, book of Hebrews. It's 13 too, but it, yeah, you don't need a Bible verse to imagine that. that <laughs> we're like that entertaining the angels like in most of the time we're unaware but what would happen if we were actually were aware yeah and you say like oh my gosh i bet they're gonna get a kick out of that yeah oh my <laughs> gosh it's true and i and I, it's interesting you mentioned those stories and those moments like when the angel shows up in somebody's life and there's just, I, I mean i think it's fair to say god really loves surprises and there he loves to get that wide-eyed response from us in you know, in these moments. And I, and I also, I mean, maybe I'm thinking about this because I am in music, but there's always like a song that shows up after that in these moments, you know, like the people have this encounter, there's an angel, there's a declaration, there's like an outpouring of something that you didn't see coming, whether it's 17 horses or whatever it is. And then there's some new song that you didn't even, that didn't even exist before. Right. It's like a new telling. Yes. Yeah. What if you think of your, their worst circumstances make your best lyrics? <laughs> Say like, oh my gosh. Yeah, like the, to your point about nothing being wasted to say like, man, this better turn into a lyric someday because this sucks. Yeah. Like this really has been 
brutal. Um, And to say, to be looking for not just putting a happy face on things, but just seeing things for the way that they really are. And Mm -hmm. that's not like a cynical, that's the opposite of cynicism. Mm -hmm. It's to say, I'm trying to see the deeper things. Uh, Out in San Diego, when, when you guys come out here, we've got a little dock behind the house and all the minnows that were uh, boiling on the surface, they were just going nuts. And uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, there was, it was probably 10 feet around and all this activity. And then I realized the reason they're doing that mm-hmm. is there's a big fish down deep. <laughs> <laughs> they just couldn't get out of the water fast right. enough. And, and it makes me think oh, when I was dazzled about the minnows, then I was thinking, Oh, wow. I wonder what scary thing is pushing them shallow. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there would be a life parable. Like, yeah. what is it? Is this deep thing that you don't want anybody to know about it? And that's okay yeah. uh, to not want it to keep some privacy around some things, yeah. but to not settle for a caricature of yourself, but to say, what are some of the deeper things? Mm-hmm. Some of the more painful things. I'm not saying camp out in those setbacks, yeah. but go back to the scene of the crime, the little chalk outline of you uh, <laughs> and me, uh, just very wounded and hurt and uh, confused yeah. and all that. And then to say, what were the deeper things going on? So I can understand what's been ch- chasing me shallow. And I want to actually mm-hmm. trade a whole bunch of activity on the surface for actually understanding what's a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. So what I end up doing is kind of many, I, I thought trigger was like the neighbor name of the Lone Ranger's horse <laughs> until I went to some therapy. <laughs> It's like, oh, wow. So that would be the big fish. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So understanding all that, I think that's uh, whether faith is important to you if you're listening in or not. I mean, like, let's just figure out what the big fish is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and there's that sense that if we think it's just this big, scary thing under there, but we don't actually look at it and let it come out into the light. And maybe you're right. Maybe it's... um, it's well, I mean, it could be as scary as we thought, but either way, we're going to confront it so that we can move on, you know, and we can be able to move forward so that there can really be um, coming. I like the, I mean, the idea of like coming to the surface, like that we bring these deeper questions um, and we, I mean, isn't that kind of the, the, the real good gospel story is like going all the way down so that there can be real new resurrection life on the other side of it, you know? Yeah, what if that is what really entertains the angels, that mm-hmm. it, it won't be all the drama, like your life isn't supposed to look like an episode of Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, what happens is that the reality of who we are and our desperate need uh, for some things that will outlast us, mm-hmm. like the kinds of things that you would give your life for, then say, those will be the things I'm going to give my time to. Mm-hmm. And that I want to actually only do those things that are lasting. We've been, uh, since you and I were together last, we've been going over to Afghanistan a whole bunch. Mm. And uh, and we have a girl's school in the capital of the Taliban. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they are not keen on teaching girls how to read and write. Um, but we've just been so delighted seeing hundreds of little girls with stacks of books. Mm. And uh, it's just so fun uh, to see that happen. But uh, going across an ocean doesn't dazzle God. Going across the street dazzles God. <laughs> like he wants to know what's going on in East Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people in our faith community are talking about going to the ends of the earth and they haven't gone to the end of their street. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. Just go pick somebody a pie and if they don't want it, send it to me. You know, P.O. Box. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> well, and that's like one of the things about this year is with all the disruption of this year, I do think we have had so much more time to spend with our neighbors and to pay attention to who's li- who's right beside us. And normally we're always like in and out of the driveway or if you have a garage or uh, I don't know, we live in the city, but our houses are pretty close together. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, that neighbor hasn't been out for a long time or you know, this other neighbor's on the porch and always wants to talk. And those are such, I mean, they're just like such meaningful rhythms of life of actually just remembering that this is really what what it is to be pl- placed in, you know, in a neighborhood and to be in the middle of a circle of people in a community. I love what you guys say uh, there in the South. You say, be where your feet are. There's just yeah. something really beautiful about that. The first time I just have to learn how to interpret what all the sayings you guys have. Like, I remember you'll say like, might could, I'm like, just, I mean, maybe. <laughs> Sounds like our foreign policy against Iran. Like we might, we could. They're just in case you can, they're just interchangeable. Yeah. Or if somebody says, bless your heart, like you just got shanked. Like, I didn't know that. I thought it was like a good thing. So just to interpret what it really means. And I want to be the person that speaks in really plain language to people. I don't want to use language that uh, the guy at the tire store wouldn't understand. That's where sometimes we sometimes in and everybody expresses the things that matter to them the most in ways that are unique to them Mm -hmm. but to just be uh, kind of situationally aware that the people around you might not be like i write books uh, and people in the faith community uh, some people identify with them but i don't put bible verses in the books Mm because i'm not writing them to john piper Mm -hmm. i'm writing them to the guy at the tire store Right. I want them to know, like, you're welcome. I'm not trying to yeah. convince a second-year seminary student about something. I just want to say things that are true yeah. and then use the stories around me to do it. You're a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've just been around you, drop jot as you're just telling people a story from the front. I'm like, go, girl. And so I, I want us to tell some great stories from yeah. this crazy time. And we don't talk about viruses around here. Yeah. We call it glitter. <laughs> We just say, don't get the glitter on you. (laughs) (laughs) That is good. That's the first I've heard that. We'll come back to my conversation with Bob Goff in a moment. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith, and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry, and Certificate Programs. Begin your Master's or Certificate Program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu admit. Well, okay. So speaking of telling good stories, you've got this new book um, and Dream Big is... Dream Big is just like such a, a powerful storytelling. Um, I mean, what a moment for this book. I'm so thankful that it came out. I don't know if you planned it that way, but, but it's just such an encouragement this year. And um, one of the stories that you tell um, in there is this, you tell a story about stairs versus an on ramp, like to onboard exactly like what you're talking about. Like, what does it mean for everybody to be invited? And Man, it's so compelling, and there's such humility in that. Um, can you tell us that story again about um, for those who are 
still about to buy your book and um, read this, which you absolutely need to, listener. <laughs> oh, so yeah, good. you can um, get one for a nickel at a I, used bookstore. Yeah, store. can you tell us a story um, about what it, what it, <laughs> Yeah, what I, what I want to do, what I want to do is uh, just think about how do we kind of merge into traffic? I forget the big highway that goes through Nashville, but uh, like instead of like T-boning everybody, mm-hmm to just merge into traffic. And so to do that in the way that we express our love for people and our interest, this mm-hmm. idea is there's verse uh, Philippians 2 20, it's uh, Paul talking about his buddy, Timothy. And he says, this guy, Timothy, he takes a genuine interest in the people around him. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. I just want to be that guy. Like, don't you want to be that gal? Yeah. Like just, okay. just take a genuine. And then what we end up doing is that we have deeply held beliefs. And so then we show up and they meet our opinions. And I actually want people to meet Jesus. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't, everybody's got an opinion. And so when I get lots of calls for advice, I'd say like, what if we did this? I don't have any advice. I haven't given people advice in 40 years, but I could tell you my experience. And what I found is a lot of people have advice on mm-hmm. things they haven't experienced. <laughs> so, so like, how do you sail to Hawaii? And they'll say like, well, this is what I do. And they say, well, have you ever sailed away? Yeah. Like, oh no, I'm afraid of the water. Be like, that's yeah. not the person I want to get advice from. I want to say, so yeah. find some people, hey, what's your experience with loneliness? What's your experience with failure? What's your experience with that? That's yeah. how you merge into traffic rather than T-boning it. Um, and so when somebody asks you for advice and you don't have any experience, let them know. Say, man, I, I haven't experienced what you've experienced. The closest thing that comes to mind is this. Um, but don't make it about you because uh, there's nothing that's more isolating than to make yeah. everything about you. To take a genuine interest means to say, uh, like, tell me about you. Like, mm-hmm. why are you doing what you were doing? So the premise of this uh, book, Dream Big, was like, know what you want why you want it and then decide what you're going to do about it mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that would be a good i'm not like a steps guy but just figure out like what you want and if you want applause join the circus <laughs> but if you actually want jesus like find the poor yeah. find hurting people and then show up without an agenda because when love has an agenda it isn't love anymore it's a program hmm. and we got all the programs we need yeah we unicef's they've got great programs they'll they'll handle it hmm. but if what we say is i've got an agenda for me, I just don't have an agenda for you, Sandra. I just, mm-hmm. my agenda for me is I'm going to be your, your friend mm-hmm. and I'm in. Like, you tell me what you need. I'm in. You need a kidney. I got one or two of those. I don't know. But <laughs> I have to check. If I got one, it's all yours. I, don't know. <laughs> I should have studied a little bit more. I got two of something, but like, well, whatever it is that I got two of, you're welcome to it. Yeah. Uh, they call them tunics in the Bible. And just mm. make it really like plain language. I don't know what a tunic is. And don't talk about harvesting wheat if you don't have a field. (laughs) Just to say what I've done is, what I've experienced is, and then talk about the losses you've experienced more than the wins. Um, Because I can identify more with when it didn't work Mm -hmm. than when it did. I'm not saying you need to camp out in the times that it failed, but Mm -hmm. it just makes your songs so much more relatable. It makes my words mean more because then I'm not, they're not thinking about your lyric or my story. They're thinking about their lyric and their story. Yeah. And that's what happens. You'll know you're there Mm -hmm. when it's not about you. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like sometimes the best 
like the the thing I receive most from friends is just the willingness to stay in, in those moments where you just need somebody to hear the story, you know, and you just need somebody to not like you're saying, not to camp out. But if our stories are are open enough that people can find their way in and then we take the time with each other to really listen, so much of that can can really like become a new place, you know, like we can move into some new place of being able to just find some healing in those places. So. Yeah. And for all you sevens out there, like me, I'm just like flaming seven on the Enneagram. Just don't try to fix it. <laughs> yeah. just, like, just like mourn with people who mourn. We had a yeah. passing of a iconic uh, a justice mm-hmm. of the Supreme Court and and there's something beautiful about just paying people, even if they have different worldviews, yeah. different perspectives than you, mm-hmm. uh, even on really big issues, like capital B, big issues for you, mm-hmm. still like it's First Peter, it talks about uh, making a defense for the hope that's within you, but to do it with kindness and respect. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I just think there's a lot of people trying to be Jesus's lawyer and they just suck at it and he doesn't need one. Mm-hmm. And I just want to instead just deal with people with kindness and respect. And so be kind, mourn with people who mourn. It doesn't mean you're playing racquetball with Satan to be kind to somebody that has a different worldview than you. It just makes you human. Yeah. It makes you empathetic. I just I want us to be that. So if mm-hmm. we if I could have one hope for me, it would be that I would over hope the circumstance and that I would demonstrate kindness and respect and I would de-escalate the circumstances that I'm in. Yeah. Like if people are really ramped up, most of the lawyers like me that I know are trying to escalate. (laughs) Just trying to take people off. I want to be the guy that just like de-escalates it. Just say like, and there's something beautiful if you're just yeah, if you're just curious about the things that are going on, you de-escalate things with your words, with your music, mm-hmm. with your life and your character. But what if you, how about this? Take away your music. Uh, and if you're listening, take away whatever you're the best mm-hmm. at and whatever's left is who you are. So who are you? Take away your music. Mm-hmm. So who are you? What's left after that? You, 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 you still have fingers, but they don't work. You still have a voice to speak, but you can't sing. So tell me mm-hmm. what's left. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just me, you know, right there in the middle. I mean, that's a great question. And I think any time that we are, so if I go through a time where I'm not touring or when I'm not able to do that, I mean, there are little stretches of that or, you know, say, something happens and it's all disrupted. I mean, those are moments where you're like, okay, here I am. These are, this is my family. These are my neighbors. This is the place where I am. And in that, man, making peace with that is the beginning of anything you're going to do after, right? I mean, there's not really a song that doesn't come out of that place of who you are. Yeah. What if the word spoken over us on our worst day with our biggest screw up, whether it's a big public screw up or an even bigger private screw up. Mm -hmm. Uh, What if the word spoken over us from those angels is beloved? Mm -hmm. What if you just say when you're uh, listening for how does God see you Just see, Mm -hmm. he sees me as beloved is deeply in need, fallible and beloved. And if you're not hearing that spoken over your shoulder, it ain't Jesus talking. Mm -hmm. It's somebody else. I don't know who it is. I got some likely suspects. (laughs) Yeah. It's a different voice, right? It's a totally different voice. Yeah, you can tell. So that idea of love and acceptance. And I don't want to walk around 
during this crazy time, we get 27,373 days. Is that crazy? Mm -hmm. If you average it out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a little bit more if you eat broccoli, a little less if you eat Pop-Tarts. <laughs> but that's what you get. And to say, what are you gonna do with what you got left? Yeah. So I take 62 years times 365 days. And you know what that number is? Big. <laughs> In the last year or two, I'm just going to be holding this thing together with bailing wire. Yeah. So with the number of days I have left, I'm just not going to spend it arguing. I'm not an umpire calling balls and strikes. Mm. I'm a base coach. Mm. I just want to tell people, you just run. <laughs> steal second. Don't steal second. Like whatever. Mm. But but what, what I want to do is just point towards like center field, kind of yeah. like that Babe Ruth moment. Yeah. And just point yeah. it towards center field. Say, I'm swinging for the fences. So a bad day isn't having it not work. A bad day is having not tried. Hmm. So I'm trying everything. It'd be such a waste to, you know, perish at 20 or at any age. But at 62, I'm like, I'm leaving this thing all on the field. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope I outlive everybody, but uh, unlikely. The crazy thing about golf men, we only have the same number of wines. Look like a great great grandfather, great grandfather, grandfather, dad. <laughs> we come with the same number of wines, and this isn't creepy, but I figured out how many days I have left. There you go. I mean, if you so, I just that's it. Figure out it's Proverbs ninety. Like count your days. Hmm. That there's actually wisdom in that, and what'll happen is you don't have to swing at every pitch. I shouldn't give any baseball analogies. I don't know anything about the sport, but <laughs> yeah, but the me. whole idea just be like you don't need to like uh, making a defense yeah. uh, uh, might be helpful, but only if it comes with kindness and respect. Yeah. So I just want to be that guy. It's inspiring to hear you talk about it and to think about like every moment, just trying to, you know, live it fully. How, you know, can you talk a little bit about ambition when it's turned outward versus when it's like turned into isolation? Yeah, it's about shelf life. That's the first thing that comes to mind, that if you have these lasting ambitions mm -hmm. um, and you really drill down on what they are, let's say one of your ambitions is to be happy. Mm -hmm. Like, that's awesome. Me too. But would a happy meal do it for you? Like, <laughs> like what, what does happy look like for you? Uh, does that mean uh, make a million dollars? Does that mean give away a million dollars? Does that mm -hmm. mean both? Does it? So just drill down on that so identifying and get super clear on what your ambition is and then vet it a little bit to say well i want to be popular we'll say like well to yeah. whom uh, mm -hmm. and then get underneath that a little bit see if there's a big fish down there scared you shallow to say and why <laughs> say like oh because i'm really insecure and say like oh that's awesome me too and say like so what made you insecure and say like, well, what it came to is my parents is like the opposite of the voice. Instead of turning the chair towards me, yeah. what they did is uh, for many parents, because they were all rookies at it. Right. They when the children did things they approved of. They gave them affirmation. Uh, but when they didn't approve of their behaviors, they turned the chair away from them. They withdrew mm -hmm. love. And so that meant that a love is weaponized and it's given and withdrawn to control my behaviors. And so then all of a sudden, yeah. if you have something you didn't understand when you're eight years old, because who would? Um, right. And then you make up a story around that, that uh, I'm only loved if I'm 
behave well. And then you come up with rules to support the story you made up to create, to explain the thing you didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And my rule is I better be nice to everybody. Mm -hmm. I better not express how I really feel because what will happen is that the chair will be turned away from me and I'll be rejected. And hence I live my life insecure. So that is a recap of Bob Goff. Wow, that is so crazy. So, man, if we could turn our chairs toward each other, even when we disagree, even when we have different views about all kinds of things, if we're still facing each other, it's a completely different circle, isn't it? Oh, I agree. So, put your head on a swivel to look for the opportunities, Mm -hmm. but don't put your chair on a swivel. (laughs) To say, like, my chair is locked, it's a barca lounger, it is just right here. I don't even know what one of those is, but whatever that is, it's just, it, right it might not be a good looking chair, but it is just face. It's got one position, mm-hmm. which is towards. Mm-hmm. Isn't that great? That's and if you just said when you're wounded and somebody does something and it really just presses all those buttons, Brene Brown just said it so well, <clears throat> the people uh, that press our buttons know where they are because they installed them. Yeah. <laughs> So we just, we just like, so they press that button and say, my resting position is towards, I think God's resting position is towards, I I think the people that have uh, been my long-term friends have been towards the people I admire. And I'm not blowing sunshine at you. You are one of them. Your position towards people is towards. Mm -hmm. And so the more like uh, things that happen along the way that don't work out that they just make us like Pinocchio, his ambition mm-hmm. is to become a real boy. Mm-hmm. And so he goes through all of these difficult things on his journey to become a real boy. And so what I want to do is just get real. Yeah. You know, life ambition, get yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> no little stick boy. That's right. There's safety, not in explanations about like, you shouldn't be afraid of big fish. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That doesn't make me less afraid of big fish. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not looking for information. I'm looking for somebody to join me in this and to say, I've got real with the fact that I'm afraid uh, of this. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of being misunderstood. I'm afraid of you fill in the the blank on that but just have those real conversations and you'll know that you're talking to somebody who's really safe because they won't tell you how to fix Mm -hmm. it they'll like just hold your hand in a Mm non-creepy way and they'll just say i'm just with you like i just they're not interlocking fingers they're just saying like man i'm just with you in this and i've got no agenda uh, other than to be with you and available in a safe place and i'm not trying to figure out sides on this thing i already picked my side with the there's a story in the old testament of joshua just running and then he meets an angel with a sword drawn and and i love he's got a little lawyer on him and he says like whose side are you on (laughs) and and the angel says neither take off your shoes Mm -hmm. and what if we had some of those take off your shoes conversations Mm -hmm. to just say like man this is holy ground yeah like, cause we're talking about real stuff here and, and it might smell bad there for a second or two when you slip them off. But there's something about just being real about that, that lets people know this is a safe place for us to have real conversations mm-hmm. and not come up to conclusions, but to remind ourselves not about what we ought to do, but who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been a year of patience. This is like, and I'm really excited for what it's teaching us, you know? 
oh man, I'm so good. There's going to be so much good that comes out of this. It'll express itself, no doubt, in lyrics and songs and stories for you, but it's going to do something even more healing. You're going to be more available to the people that are around you. You'll be more empathetic. And you already were awfully good at that. And God's just going to make us better (laughs) at some of the things that we were just okay at. And and the things that we were just horrible about, he's going to make us better at those things too. But we need to just retain uh, a receptive to that to say like you know it ain't much but like use me yeah, that's <laughs> right. if i ain't anything else i'm available yeah, yeah <laughs> i feel that for sure that's where i am today i feel that for sure so thank you so much thanks for taking the time and for turning your chair toward all of us um with your work oh great i do lots of selfish things but being uh a grabbing a couple times minutes with you is just right at the top of the list i just love it love what you're about and have just uh, continued to respect you and all that you're doing so thanks for including me in your life we will try to come out and visit you and the horses out there sometime and (laughs) after all this come on Come on. Steadfast is created by Sandra McCracken, our producer, Leslie Eiler Thompson, and editor, John Fletcher, in partnership with Christianity Today. I'm Sandra McCracken. Thank you for listening. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.